you know, we're all here for such a time as this. You know, uh, we have to recognize what season we're in. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know what season you're in? <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's seasons, you know, where we're raising children, uh, seasons where our children are moving away from us, and then we're praying that they do all the things that we believe that God has shown us they'll do, but we're uh, not the one in charge of making those decisions. Uh, I taught a whole series once on um, responsibility without control. That's raising teenagers and, and those that go on through college because we still have responsibility to stand the gap, to pray, to give input, but the control is in the hands of the Holy Spirit. So uh, tonight we're going to end this series about the Holy Spirit. Aftershock is the name of it that I put in here. And I put aftershock because it says aftershock is an after effect of a distressing or traumatic event. And uh, the death of Jesus was a traumatic event for uh, even his own disciples, even those who knew him and walked with him because they didn't expect that to be the ending. Uh, how many of you have ever been to the wall and just think, God, this is not how I thought this was going to end. But, you know, there's always something beyond that. There's always something that God has for us. So let's stand, make our confession. We're going to finish this series. I, I don't think I did that before he sat down. So here we go. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. You can be seated. I just want to share this with you. Um, this isn't in the message, but I was listening to a, a message by Paul Doherty the other night, really late, and uh, just felt I was supposed to listen to it and, and um, online. And he had preached, I think, this past Sunday. But he talked about that confession up there. And uh, he said, you know, I went through a season in my life where I was very depressed. It was after his dad passed away. He didn't see much hope for the future. Uh, it, he was preaching on Saturday nights in the, in the services. But his mother was the pastor of the church at that time. She preached on Sundays. But he was, he was really struggling with his mind, his thoughts. And uh, he, he was constantly saying out his mouth when he talked to the Lord, victory's best days are behind us because his dad was gone after shock, a, a really a shock that Pastor Billy Joe, I mean, we all believed he would pull through that. And I believe we were supposed to believe that. We stand until, you know, this battle on earth is over. Then we rejoice and we move on. We don't stop. But he, it was his dad, and he, he was young, 24, 25. And so he really struggled and struggled. And one day the Lord said to him, stop saying that. You need to start saying, my best days are in front of me. He said every bit of that confession came from the Lord in his lowest time for him to begin to say over himself. And that word produced in him what I saw last, it was the night before last, on that video, it's, it's just amazing what God has done. But he's now living that confession right there. It's very important, very important that in your darkest times, you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because in that aftershock moment, sometimes you just feel like, I don't see any, I don't see anything. But God sees, 
And he sees beyond what that is, just like he saw beyond Jesus. And even Jesus told his disciples what would happen after he was gone. But when the shock of it happened, and, and that earthquake was really a good earthquake, the veil was rent, and what it meant was that we had total access to the throne room of God. But at that moment, all they saw was death. But God saw life. And so I, I believe that out of this series, tonight we're going we're gonna to talk about um, leave it all on the fields. Now, my, my field has an S on it for a reason. But um, how many have ever heard that, leave it all on the field? Leave it all on the field? Uh, Jesus left it all on the field when he went out of here. And uh, I have a quote by, it's just a little video, but Vince Lombardi uh, talks about this and I want you to hear this. It's a very old uh, video, but it says what I want it to say. Could you play that for us, Sandy? His message, which had made him so successful on the football field. Operate on Lombardi time. Resonated with business leaders and the after-dinner crowd. But once you have won their hearts, they'll follow you anywhere. But in time, Lombardi grew uncomfortable with the one message that had come to define him. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place, either your first or your last. He told me one day, I wish the hell I'd never said that. I said, well, don't you believe it? He said, what I believe is, if you go out on a football field on Sunday or any other endeavor in life, and you leave every fiber of what you have on that field when it find, the game finally ends, then you've won. And to me, that tells a lot more than the final score. And I never made that clear. He never made that clear. What he wasn't, you know, how many of you know as you get older, you get a little more revelation of things, things I said when I was, you know, a young Christian. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't say them exactly like that anymore. I might say the same thing, but, you know, God changes our character. He changes things in us that cause us to have the voice that he would have to say those things. And so I, I thought that was interesting. You know, what was, you know, it, win or lose, it's one or the other. Well, we win when we leave it all on the field, when we give everything that we could give. And uh, on a light note, my husband just said, I was talking to him about this the other one night this week, and he said, hey, what happened to that tie that I gave your dad that he wore in that funeral that I went and got for him in his casket? I said, it went through the fire. It isn't here anymore. You know, when, it, when, you go, when you go out of here, it's whatever you left while you were here. That's, that's what's left. And so you don't, you know, my dad left a lot to all of us and uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot of integrity. Uh, I still, things that happen even today in my life personally and in this church, I'll hear what my dad would say. And uh, I'm thankful that I had that kind of father. The same with the Holy Spirit. He's always speaking to us. And in situations when we just are at that wall, we don't know what to do, God has the answer for that situation. And uh, even though we may be in shock, Deborah, you have done an excellent job. I just want to tell you that by the Spirit of God since Pete left, because that was totally unexpected. And I was there, and I watched you walk that out. And if ever I saw a wife who said to her husband, you're, you're going to get out of here. You're going to get out of here, even when it did not look that way. Well, he got out of there, just not the way we planned. He went straight out to heaven with one last sigh, and out he went. Those kind of things leave you in a place 
when you go through something and you don't know the ending, on the other side, you must have the voice of the Holy Spirit very clearly known to you so that you can function in an aftershock. And I say this, I believe it's prophetically, that we are coming in a time in this earth where things are going to happen. And, and we're going to have to know what does God say right now to this situation. Not, not, you know, let me run find my prayer partner. What does the Holy Spirit tell me to do right now in this situation? And uh, I think it's more evident if you live out of our country. But believe me, when you see the synagogues that are being shot up, things that are happening against faith, against God, against the word of God, uh, we need to be on alert because we are soldiers in a great army, and we have the victory. Everybody say that. I have the victory. But we have to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk tonight, um, and I, I feel like this message uh, is, is the last one, although uh, when I get back in June, we're going on vacation for a week. On the 9th of June is Pentecost Sunday, and I felt like God gave me the message for that Sunday today. And so I don't, I don't believe the Lord is through talking about the Holy Spirit. I believe there's more. Everybody say there's more. So tonight we're going to talk about recover and restore. You know, um, God's intention through Jesus was to recover mankind from the destruction that Adam created and Eve when they sinned in the Garden of Eden. And so the recovery effort began in Genesis 15. And if you put that up, Sandy, when God spoke immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately after what happened, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. What he's talking about here, ultimately, if you look in the book of Luke, it talks about Mary and how God came to Mary and said, you are highly favored among women. She was going to carry the seed that, with the capital S. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was really the prophecy or the prophetic word of God to fix the situation or to recover mankind from what was just lost. When Adam and Eve sinned, everything that God had planned for mankind was lost. The prosperity in every arena was lost. The provision, everything from God was given up and handed over to the enemy in that situation. But God had a plan. Everybody say, God always restores. Always restores. So in Acts chapter 2, which is where we're studying right now, in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 32 through 39, this is what, it's, what it says. I'll just read from up there, Sandy. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are witnesses, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit who he poured out this which you now see and hear. Everybody say, they now see and they now hear. How do you hear the Holy Spirit except that you hear them speaking in tongues? Okay? And then it goes on. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, he, but he says himself, the Lord sit to my right, Lord, Am I right, Lord? 
the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, excuse me, yeah, till I make your enemies your footstool. We talked about that earlier in the spring. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, this is, this is the way God rescues. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift that he's talking about there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when, when we're born again, I don't know about you, I was born again on Thursday, got f- filled with the power of the Holy Spirit on Friday. Before anybody could get to me and tell me this was not, you know, uh, something you want to get into, I already had it. How many of you know once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, those of you that are here, and pray in the Holy Ghost, nobody can tell you that's not real. Because it is real. Now, you know, before that, I did have one person way before that, out of the blue, say to me when I was in the Methodist church, have you ever heard of speaking in tongues? And you know what I said? Sounds like the devil. And they said, it is of the devil. I I thought, well, there you go. It's of the devil. What did I know? You know, I didn't even know Jesus at that point. I I believed that God had a son named Jesus, but I had no relationship. I had never invited Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Once I got saved and I was in such a desperate position, my heart was open and somebody prayed for me and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I went to tell my family, especially my brother, who has his master's in divinity from IU, which simply means they've convinced him that God's not true. Excuse me if you're listening, if you're a professor at IU. But in talking with my brother, he began to spew all this stuff at me. And you know what I said? This is not the way you handle it. I was understand he was threatening my praying in the spirit and my salvation. And I had only been born about again about a week. And he tell me all these things about the, the word, the word, the word. And it's really confusion, he says. You know, really, if you study it, people don't say in all this stuff. I thought, you've got a master's of divinity? So I said to him, you're so ignorant, you're stupid. <laughs> well, that ended that conversation with my brother. However, years later, my brother called me from South Africa and said, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If I come over there, will you pray with me? And we took him down to the river right by where, um, what's that place out there, the, the veterans' home, that we went out there to that park out there. It was a okay park back then, if you know what I'm talking about. And so we took him there, and we began to pray for him. And he had gotten into transcendental meditation. He had now had a, he had his master's, he had a law degree. He, you know, he had so many degrees. But as he began to sit there, we began to pray in the spirit. And he started to pray. And then he goes, no, that's the tongue of the devil. I said, really? He said, oh, yeah, he has a tongue. It's his own language. I said, really? Oh, he said, I see. I've been out there. Well, you know, I thank God I have the Holy Ghost. I was beginning to get scared myself. But we continued to pray till we broke that thing off of him. And today he prays in the Holy Ghost. And he believed when the apartheid was so bad in South Africa, my brother, an American, was up every night at 3 a.m. praying in the Holy Ghost over that nation because God had sent him there. 
with his degrees, and he was doing none of those degrees at that time. He was running an accounting firm. But God had placed him there with the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, you just never know what God's going to do with you. You know, all of that rebuttal against me, uh, you know, and it did shake me for a minute, but I had strong people around me who continued to pray with me and stand with me, and I made it through that place. Uh, there's a fight. There's a fight for the things of God, and, uh, and especially the fight for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's why there is such a, a, a fight in the, in the church uh, worldwide over the power of the Holy Spirit. It, why would anybody not want the power of God? And so it's a, it's a deception. It's a thing the devil does to try to divide because when there's division, there's strife, envy, jealousy, all those things, it stops the anointing of God. So I tell you, when Jesus was raised, he was raised to restore. To, and the way we get there is by repenting, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, being water baptized, making an identification that says, I belong to God. And if I'm, if I'm a child of God, then the Bible says in Romans 8, then I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now listen, that's a whole other teaching that I don't have time for tonight. But Jesus said, it is finished. What was he saying? He was saying, the restoration of mankind to the Father has been accomplished forever, forever and ever. We will never be separated from the power of God. We, we can walk away, but it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what we're doing, he is there because he loves us. Uh, in Mark 16, that's what, you know, once we're restored, then, then we, you know, we go and, and we recover others. We, we bring that restoration to other people. And that's why in Mark 16, he said, go and make disciples, cast out devils, heal the sick. You know, I never heard that scripture. Till I got in um, out at First Assembly, I never heard that before uh, in any church I was in because I never really knew there was a devil. So if you didn't know there's a devil, why would you cast out the devil? But Jesus, in recovering us, gave us authority to stop the work of the enemy. The enemy is defeated, but he's not defeated to the people who do not know him, know about him. If you know Jesus, you know the devil's real. How many of you know? Once, once you get born again, it's like, oh, yeah, I get it now. But the world, if you try to tell them things about the devil, they look at you like, you don't know what you're talking about. But he is real. He is real. And we have been restored, and we have been recovered, and now we recover and restore. Uh, and if you look at Peter, you know, the Lord just gave me Peter, Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Uh, in Luke 22, 31 through 34, you know, Jesus, um, Jesus knew the destination and the, the call that God had on Peter. He knew what Peter was going to be. But he said, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. I don't know what people do that have the Bible that never talk about the devil because that's, that's, it says right there, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. When no matter who you are on the earth, the devil has a plan to destroy you. Every, every human being. But once you get born again, he has more intention of stopping you than he did before you were ignorant of who he was. And the Lord, and then it says, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not 
fail. You know, it says in the Bible, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. You know why he's making intercession? That we don't fail to accomplish what God has called us to do. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he, but he said to, to the Lord, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. How many of you have ever said, oh, Lord, I'll, whatever you ask me to do. I mean, I'm, I'm your man. I'm your woman. I will do it. <laughs> and then <laughs> something happens. And then you're like, I'm still thinking about it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to do it. I don't think I'm going to do it. How many of you have ever been there? I, no, I've decided I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, sometimes like, like Patricia said, you know, we have things that we're really confident, and we've, you know, we've just given our whole heart in that arena. And then there's other things that God begins to to want to change in our character or in our understanding. It's like, eh, you know, I think I'm okay here. You know, I think I'll just stay where I am. God has plans. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times. Deny three times that you know me. Why did he, why did he tell Peter all that? I believe because he wanted Peter to know when he denied him that God already knew. Yep. And he did fail the test. Everybody say, you can fail a test. You know, uh, I never liked tests. I didn't do very well in tests because I, for some reason I would freeze up. But testing by God is never to prove you a failure. You may fail, but you're not a failure. What that means is the Lord wants to do more in your life to help you to get to a place where you wouldn't fail in that situation. Why? Because the level he wants to take you to, he's got to show you, not himself. (laughs) He's got to show you that you can succeed at that level. And then once you know you succeed at that level, then he can take you to the next one. It's not about him knowing. He knows where he's taking you, just like he knew about Peter. If you don't believe that, you can, of course, we know at the end of that, within a few verses, Peter does deny him three times, and then the rooster crows. However, in the book of John, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? You know, I believe that the whole key to doing what God wants us to do is that we love him. He asked Peter three times. You know, if you've ever failed or denied God, God's only question to you is, do you love me? Do you love me? Because if you love God, it can be fixed. Now, if you turn away from God and run the other way, the devil will destroy and finish the work that he's begun. Because that's what he does. And he does it very well. But if you run to God, do you love me? Yes. Then God begins to minister. And, of course, then we see Peter in Acts chapter 2. If you'll turn over to Acts chapter 2, to the beginning of that chapter... This always, God showed me this one day, and um, it's in 2.14. It says, but Peter standing up. Everybody say, standing up. up. You know, he was no longer denying anything at this point. What, What happened? Well, they had all been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the call on Peter's life manifested for what it really was. You know, Peter's the one who said back in Mark in Matthew 16, and why do you think God revealed to him who Jesus was? Why did, why did Jesus say to him, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter? What's he beginning to teach him? That's the spirit of God. Because what was he going to have to do? He's going to have to stand up 
in this situation and say, listen, this is not, uh, these men are not drunk as you think they are. This is that. Everybody say, this is that. There's a book that was written called This Is That, this powerful book. But this is that which the prophet Joel told us would happen. That's what Peter said. He stood up. Everybody say he stood up. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to stand up in a situation. But with the Holy Spirit, if we lean on that power and that anointing that's on the inside of us, we can't stand up. No, I'm not talking to people about people. I'm talking about things that hold us back from being promoted by God. This morning, the Lord just gave me a whole teaching. I mean, for myself and, and to teach on promotion. Everybody say promotion. You know, promotion isn't about you getting to be somebody. It's about God being able to flow through you in a greater way. That's what promotion is. And if God can't trust you with the things that he's already said to do, then he won't promote you. I had the Lord say to me specifically this morning, do not promote anyone that I have not promoted. I said, well, okay. Yeah, well, just let me know. You know, Because he said, you don't know. You, don't, you can't judge by how good somebody does something. Because the gifts and talents, he said, are the anointing. That's because of the anointing. That's not because of what they can do. That's because of what I do. But their character and their integrity and their trust in me for everything, it's a trust-level decision for God. It's all to do with trust. There can be no promotion unless God knows that the person can be trusted, not because they're trying to prove how good they are, because they will be destroyed if they cannot be trusted. It's not about proving that somebody isn't uh, as good as the next person. See, that's what the devil does. He compares and he tries to bring those kind of thoughts. But if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you know, like this morning, I wasn't planning on hearing all that, but I just began to write because I felt like I don't know what all of it means, but somewhere along the way, God is going to remind me of that. And it's going to be really real to me. Oh, hold on. You will, because he said to me, you will ruin them. You will ruin them because they're not ready. He said, I know if someone has the level of trust in me that can take them through the next arena that they're going to walk through. And he tests us for those things. And, you know, I don't know. You know, you don't know. That's why it's so important that you know who you connect with, that you know who you run with, that you know who you're sharing those confidential things with. Because, you know, you can be talking to the wrong person, and they can tell you yes to something that God's saying, no, no, no. This is off the, my message, but, you know, when, when Nathan, um, was it that um, whoever it was that talked to, to David, and he said he was going to build a house for the Lord. I'm going to build a house for the Lord. And I think the prophet, he said, sure, that's a great idea. Then he went home. And the Holy Spirit woke him up and said, that was not a great idea. <laughs> now I'm paraphrasing, but he said, that really was not a great idea. And you need to go right back there and tell him, I've never asked anybody to build me a house. And I'm not starting with you, but I'm going to have your son do it. Why? Because he liked his son better? No. Because that was the way God was structuring it. That was the order. Solomon would be able to do that. David could not do that. Why? I don't know. That doesn't mean that David wasn't a man after God's heart, because the Bible says he was. 
Are you getting this tonight? So important when you're on a recover mission and you're on a restoration mission that you know what the Holy Spirit is saying in that situation because we are responsible. You know, sometimes we're ready for people to get it. How many of you ever thought, they're re- I'm, they may not be ready, but I am ready. And so I'm giving it to them. Here it comes. And they're not ready. You know, you can cause great destruction in that person's life. And, you know, I've had people, you know, look at me funny and say things, but I know when God is saying to me, accept them right where they are. And I know when God's saying, it's time to say something. You know, and you've got to know that. Jesus knew what to do in every situation. He only did what the Father told him to do. Peter had to learn. Peter had to learn. But when Peter stood up, from then on through the book of Acts, there was nothing that stopped Peter. And if you look at, at where uh, in verse um, 21, uh, chapter, or John 21, verses 15 through 19, I'm going too fast. It says, Peter, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? And the last thing he said was, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. <laughs> he said, follow me. He said, this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. Some say that Peter died upside down, hanging on a cross. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You know, it says for us to lay down our life, you know, take up the cross and follow him. And so uh, Peter, as he went along in the book of Acts, there were miracles where Peter was. It says in chapter 5, verse 14, that... um, the believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men, women, men and women. And then it goes on. Then in the next, is it the next verse? I may not have put it up there, but it does say that um, wherever his shadow was, people were healed. Even in the shadow of Peter, people were healed. I mean, that's a pretty powerful anointing for someone who denied Jesus three times. And was told that was going to happen. Do you think God didn't know he was going to use him to, to bring about the first church? See, when it says in, in Matthew 16, upon this rock I will build my church, he wasn't, Peter's name meant rock. But I believe he knew it was Peter that was going to be the first one that the church began to grow. But it wasn't on Peter, it was on his revelation. This is that which the Holy Spirit spoke to the prophet Joel. And now this is what's happening right here. And then he quotes the whole thing of exactly what's going to happen. And then it says, and 3,000 were added to the church. That's the beginning of the church right there. And it was Peter. But it wasn't because of Peter. It was because of his revelation. Where did he get his revelation? From the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so he, he was in position uh, for things to begin to happen. In Acts 11, uh, when he got thrown in prison, you know, sometimes things happen to you that you just would rather not have to go through uh, in, in your walk with the Lord. But how many of you ever felt like you were in a prison or in a situation, you know, where you're captive? But that doesn't mean that you're not going to get out. He got out miraculously. They were praying, and the gates opened, and he got out of that prison. And even he thought he was in a vision. But, you know, and the lady who opened the gate uh, went back and said, 
like she could hardly believe it's Peter. At the, and yet they're the ones praying for Peter to get out of the prison. God does miraculous things in our lives when we begin to put our whole confidence and trust in him and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit leading in our life. The, uh, the most miraculous one to me is Paul. Because Paul, in my Bible, in this Bible I'm reading in, in Acts chapter 8, it says he ravaged the church. <laughs> ravaged the church. That means he just, you know, wherever he could, he brought destruction to the church. That this is a baby church. This is the beginning of, of the church. And so in, um, I want to look at Acts uh, 9, 17 through 22, Sandy. I have a lot of scripture up there. Poor Sandy. She she got up there on the wrong night. And then Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately. Everybody say immediately. There fell from his eyes something like scales. He was immediately rescued. I mean, he was recovered from, from the pit of hell that had caused him, the spirit that had been on him, to ravage the church. He was immediately set free from that. And he received his sight at once. It wasn't just his sight with his eyes. It was spiritual. And he arose and was baptized. So then he had when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And then it says, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. They, he did that so fast that the people were afraid to believe that he was really who he says he was now because of how bad he had just been before. When God does something to recover and rescue people, it's immediate. The Holy Spirit can change things in our life immediately, immediately. And as he began to walk in those things, um, in Acts 16, he ended up in prison. He and Silas ended up in prison. Now, you know, that, that is not a, it was not a nice place. And I don't, I'm not going to get into the whole story. But in that place, they began to praise God. And when they praised God, the doors, the chains fell off of them. The prison guard uh, thought, you know, he was going to be killed because they escaped. But out of that one situation that looked so bad, that jailer was saved. He was told, you and your household will be saved. Even with all their beating that they took, God still used them to recover and rescue someone else out of that very situation. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in us brings a different, um, just a different anointing that can cause things to happen. I don't think we're really aware of in our own lives on a daily basis. I don't know how many times God has rescued me out of situations, but I'm sure someday if I could look back, there was probably a car or a situation where God scooped me up and got me out of there because God knows how to recover and rescue I believe that with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, there's so many people that we have the anointing on us to recover and rescue and to teach them to be restored in the things of God. I think God's just waiting on us. Um, it says in Acts 19, powerful miracles were performed by Paul. But um, in Acts 20, 22 through 25, um, 
Paul begins to know what the Lord is going to do with him, and he's going to take him to Rome. And it says, See now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that. Everybody say, except that. The Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. You know, sometimes our assignment isn't all we want it to be, but God will always tell us. Everybody say, God will always tell me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. It goes on and says they were all very sad. Then it happens again. Another place where he's, a man ties him up with a belt and uh, says, you know, this is going to happen to you. And he said, why do you make me cry? Why do you make me sad? I want to do what it is God's given me to do. All those tests and trials where we think we're not going to make it are so that when we get in a position where we may not be going to make it, we have no fear because we know that God has already told us. I've been through situations that I would have rather not walk through. And I've had God tell me, you know, this, isn't, this is not going to be what you think it's going to be. How many of you ever had God ask you to do something, you're all excited? And then it's like, ooh, that sure wasn't what I thought it was going to be. What God wants to be able to see is that we can still walk through it and go out to the other side. My husband preached on that on Sunday. The one thing Paul said, and it's in Acts, it's verse 26, um, it's in I didn't put it in here, did I, Sandy? It's in Acts where he says, uh, when he's being tried and spoken to, uh, and, and he speaks to, to, I think it's, who is it? Yeah, Agrippa. Oh, is it there? Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. Everybody say disobedient. disobedient. To the heavenly vision. What that means is, that, we, that confession we make at the beginning, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. That's the heavenly vision. Everybody say the heavenly vision. And he says, I, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Um, in this church over the years, there have been times where, uh, you know, you want to say, you know, surely there's somebody else who can now do this. I, you know, I have talked about, to God about that, and uh, I felt like God said to me, you know, because, uh, you know, I'll say, Lord, do you, you really, uh, we celebrate 30 years here on July 14th, so be sure to be here. We'll have a great Sunday. But um, I thought, you know, Lord, I've been, I've been in the ministry for 38 years, and uh, surely there's somebody younger now that could do this. He said, oh, you started late. I thought that isn't even funny. <laughs> oh, you started late. Well, what does that mean? Well, I didn't start at 20. I started at 36. So, you know, I got a lot of years there that uh, God, God's never through with you till you see him. It's not over till it's over, and it's not over till we see Jesus. And so whatever, um, whatever part of your life you're in, the important thing is when Paul got to the end of his life, and, uh, you know, a lot of those epistles he wrote in prison. I mean, those are not books that he wrote, you know, when he was in a hotel 
and a sauna. You know, those are, those are in hard places. But he said, I have fought the good fight. In other words, I have been obedient to the heavenly vision, but it was a fight. Everybody say it was a fight. <clears throat> Sometimes um, we want to let go. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit will never go, let go. I told my husband today, uh, you know, different times I'll really hear a lot of things from the Lord. Other times I don't really hear anything uh, like I need to really write what's going on or what's coming. Uh, I, but I'll hear messages. But, I mean, as far as, you know, the Lord really speaking to me, this, that, 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 that. And, uh, but today I heard all this again. And I said to Bill, you know what? It wasn't any different than the last thing I heard. And the thing before that, that's the same thing I heard. How many of you have ever thought, is, do we have a different version, a verse, something? I mean, I'll even do the chorus. I'm a musical person. I'll sing the same chorus. We have another verse to this message. But no, everybody say no. The Holy Spirit always tells you what God is saying. All those things that Paul heard that took him all through, you know, all those books of the Bible. You know, John wrote a few things. Uh, Luke, of course, wrote Acts, and he wrote Acts. Uh, I mean, he wrote Luke and Acts. But, you know, really, Paul wrote a good portion of the Word of God in the New Covenant. And he went through a lot of things. And he said, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. It is going to be a fight for our faith in the day that we're living in. But out of the book of Acts, what I always come back to is, he was obedient to the heavenly vision. And a heavenly vision doesn't mean it's always going to be what we want it to be every single day. It doesn't mean that it's bad because Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If his yoke is easy and his burden is light, some days I'm thinking, wow, this doesn't seem light. But then I realize I'm not in his yoke, I'm in mine. And anytime we get in our own yoke or we yoke up with things that we think we need to be doing, but they're not his yoke, it isn't light anymore. It's very critical that we listen to the Holy Spirit. Paul knew what he was supposed to do, and he did what he was supposed to do. Even shipwreck did not stop Paul. It could have killed Paul, but God rescued not only Paul, but everybody on the ship with him. Why? Because he was obedient to the heavenly vision. If we're listening to the Holy Spirit, we're going to get to the other side. The last one he said, in 1 Corinthians 11, one, the last thing I want to show you, he said, this is Paul. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul didn't say, follow me because I know what I'm doing. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I believe the Holy Spirit, if we will follow him in the day we're in, the reason I said fields um, is leave it all in the fields. It says in John 4, the fields are ripe unto harvest. This is the time for the church to be in the fields. And those fields are not necessarily in these four walls. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the body of Christ are looking to do what they feel God's called them to do. And I believe what we're going to see, especially in these last days, it's all going to be out there. It's going to be in the highways and byways. Because you know the scripture that says, go out into the highways and byways and call them into the marriage supper? Because all these people that I called, they're busy. They got things to do. I'm paraphrasing. But there is a harvest out there of people. 
And when we're walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we're listening to that voice, we are in a position to know what God's saying about people. You know, I watched this show years ago. It just comes back to my mind. I'll close with this. Um, it was it was on a Tuesday night. I can't remember what, but they developed this machine that could know what people were saying. They knew where people were. Well, it's not so far out now because my phone says in the morning, five minutes to 10 North Earl Avenue. Now that bothers me. My phone knows where I'm going in the morning time. My phone knows when I back out of here how many minutes it is to my house. Well, in this thing on Tuesday, I thought this was just like way out there. But they knew where everybody was all the time. I believe in heaven, God knows where people are. I do believe that. He does. This morning I had him share with me. I'll just tell you this. I thought, well, I never thought to do that. I get concerned about the people in the nursing home forgetting my mom's meds or not giving them on time or whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm saying, you know, they need to be doing that. And the Lord said to me, why don't you start praying for the people in the nursing home that take care of your mother? Pray that they have a great day and they remember all things. I thought I never thought about praying for them. I'm going to go over there and tell them. You know, this is your job. You should be remembering these pills. I never thought about that. Now, isn't that dumb? I mean, I'm the pastor of this church. My mother is getting her pills at the wrong time, and I'm going to go tell people why they should do it on time. You think they don't know that? That's why I felt, Pam, they know that. Why don't you pray for them? It could be the most prosperous nursing home in town because my mother lives there, just like Paul on the boat. It could be that way where you are. It could be the most prosperous place going, not only for you, but everybody around you because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of each one of us. And when we begin to recognize those things, God will show us things in people's lives. And um, I'm looking forward to what God has ahead. I believe we're going to live in really exciting days. And, um, you know, I haven't read all the books that my husband reads, but I can feel it in the spirit. Something is changing and it's got to do with the Holy Spirit. God is stirring that up in the people of God. The Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, being ready to operate in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage all of you to continue. Read the book of Acts. Read it over and over. Just read it and let it get on the inside of you. Because it is the book. It is the book that's the beginning of the church. It is the way God set up the church when Jesus went to heaven. It is, it is the model right there in Acts. And if we keep reading those things, it encourages you in your faith. And God will use it in your everyday life to stir you up in a situation. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's stand. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight and anybody who listens to this message. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply opening your mouth. Paul said in, in um, 1 Corinthians 14, I, I, I wish all of you prayed in the Holy Ghost. Uh, but even more, I, I wish that all of you would prophesy. And, and what does that mean? It means that prophecy that he's talking about there is, is to be able to be free to share everything about 
the goodness of God, really. It's encouragement, it's exhortation, it's all those things that encourage people. Tongues and interpretation for the church with your gifts of the Spirit are really a message in tongues with the interpretation. But there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is individual for a believer. It says in Jude, it will build you up in your most holy faith. And so it uh, doesn't matter. You don't have to be with people. My husband received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in bed one night. He just started speaking in tongues uh, right after he had thought that was just about the craziest thing he'd ever seen. So, you know, it isn't even all the time you got to believe it. But if you open your mouth or you say to God, if it's real, give it to me because I need it. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I thank you for every person. I thank you that they're here on purpose. I thank you they have a purpose. But I also know, Lord, that we're living in a day where um, the resistance to the things of God is increasing on a daily basis. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is the power that has been deposited on the inside of us. Greater is the discernment that's on the inside of us. Greater is the understanding of the Word of God that is on the inside of us than the things that are of this world. I know, Father, that you want us to begin to uh, seek after you like we never have before, to, to lay aside things, weights, things that pull us back uh, from accomplishing the race that's set before us. I thank you that you know, Lord, every person in this room, and you know the purpose and the plan for where they are right now. I just say this, um, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. Stop looking back. Stop looking back. And start looking at today and what God is saying for tomorrow. Not back, forward. Do not go backward. Do not go backward. You will stumble. Keep your focus ahead. And Father, I thank you. Mistakes that have been made, uh, decisions that have happened. How many of you have made some decisions that you look back and you say, well, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. I want you to lift your hands up, our minds up. Father, I thank you that all those places where we, you know, we thought we were going the right way, we never go the wrong way on purpose, but when we thought we were going the right way, Lord, I thank you that you can, you can take care of that tonight, right now. And we just give that to you. We thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, and that we are going to continue to run our race. We are not slowing down because of situations or circumstances where we think we missed it or what we thought we might have done that might have caused a situation. I bind all of that in Jesus' name. Some of you still struggle with some things, and those are things that are hindering you from walking in the fullness of the anointing of God. And I bind that in Jesus' name, and I loose you from every work of the enemy that would hold you, hold you captive in Jesus name Jesus has set you free and he will take care of those things and he will perfect those things that have concerned your life in the past that are concerning your life today and will concern your life in the future because he is faithful he is faithful he called you it says in first Thessalonians he will do it and so Lord I thank you tonight you are working and you are going to fulfill your purpose and your destiny over every life in this building right now, standing in this room, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want you to say this with me. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the cross. Thank you that he went there, that he stayed there, but he's resurrected, and I am a joint heir with him in the kingdom of God. 
I have no lack. I walk in authority and dominion. I know my authority. It comes from the throne of God. I love God's presence. I live in God's presence every day. Help me, Lord, to focus on you, to focus on what you say, not what I think, but what you say. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in me, who guides me, teaches me, counsels me, and tells me what you want me to know. I give you praise. I give you thanks. Lead me every day in the way I should go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go and be blessed. Thank God for the Holy Spirit.